Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers of NT Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy a few days before Friday as we record it. Um, but it doesn't matter because we had screeners for the most important television of all this week. That's right, you guys. It's Gotham Week. Gotham Week. You're listening to this on like Gotham. four days after it's over. <laughs> That's a really good song for Gotham Week. I mean, yeah, it would have to be a lot more bat shit crazy to really oh, befit Oh, oh, I see what you did there because there's Batman. And also, it's a crazy show. It is it is crazy in its way. I, I appreciate, like, you know, I appreciate Gotham for all of its, uh, for all of its qualities. Uh, this is, of course, this episode, of course, is especially dedicated to our fa- one of our favorite listeners, if not our absolute favorite listener, Ann I mean, Travis. my favorite listener. She doesn't have to be yours because your mom listens. So that my mom listens, but she doesn't send me a weekly email. Sure, but I can't. She can be my favorite mom. She sh- She's my number one okay. mom. Okay. She- I didn't want to speak for you in terms no, of the I listener pre- part of it. I yes. will. I am very comfortable saying it. She's my favorite listener. No. I, I, I honestly, I feel like we've had this discussion before. And the fact, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate you not w- wanting me to sabotage my relationship with my mother. And mom, I love you very much. And if you are listening, I do think you are, you are my, easily in my top five favorite listeners. <laughs> easily top five. <laughs> I don't know if I could name five listeners other than like our moms. Well, you have you have like friends who text in. Yeah, I don't know how consistent they are. That's like I, if I'm if I'm gonna bet my life on like five people listening to this, I don't know where I'd start. Mom. Yeah, moms are moms are reliable. That's why they're moms. But yeah, and Travers and Mick Travers and plenty of other people love the television program now over. Gotham. Yes. Uh, Fox's one-time procedural cop drama turned serialized cop non-superhero show turned prelude to Batman, I guess? Oh, I mean, I don't think it's prelude-y. I think it's pretty, or not, I don't, prelude They never say his name, Liz. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they never say Joker either. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) God almighty. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about the series finale of Gotham, but we're, I think we're going to try to do it in kind of a broader respect in terms of, for those of you who do not watch uh, this show, because I can't imagine that, I can't imagine that of the listeners who we can't personally name, you know, personally name, uh, there are, it's a huge percentage. Though it is a broadcast television show, it probably got pretty good ratings. It, I mean, it did well enough to get five seasons and yeah. to get an extra uh, episode order in its final season. It was always it always did fine. But yeah, I mean, I think it's also important to kind of look at Gotham both in the context of of broader television narratives as well as kind of what your initial thought was when it began. Because in terms of the series finale, I think the series finale is good, but the series finale is basically like taking um, a lot of puzzle pieces and putting them into the puzzle and you knew what the puzzle was going to look like as soon as you were done and you're just snapping them into place like mm-hmm. there's not a lot of there's not there's not really a way to spoil anything in the series finale you might be i guess pleasantly happy to see certain things happen but right. they all you know they're gonna happen like you know everything that's mm-hmm. gonna happen in the finale for the most part mm-hmm. um it's just a matter of how they present it um but yeah no i i'm I always liked Gotham because I always thought it was a little, it was kind of like a sneakily ambitious 
non-superhero show. Right. Um, it was a lot of different genres. It played with a lot of different structures. Um, it went to a lot of kind of bold places, as in, um, you know, something that breaks the mold a little bit in terms of what it was uh, as a procedural, and then also, as mentioned before, in just kind of the wackadoo, outrageous department, um, which, I mean, what, come on, like two episodes before the finale, Barbara Keene is giving birth in the hospital, and she's being wheeled around the hospital by James Gordon's new wife, who's also her doctor, and Barbara Keene has two pistols in her hands shooting at villains who are trying to kill her, again, while she's giving birth. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's nuts. It's a crazy <laughs> show. And there's moments in it that, that you're just like, what the fuck is happening here? This is insane. And then there's other moments where it's very kind of dialed down and just like, no, 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 we're just cops and we're doing our job. And it's like, well, it's it's a tougher job than normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, life in Gotham, as we've learned, not the easiest place to live. Sometimes the entire city goes under martial law and becomes a scavenger's paradise. Yeah, I mean, one of the big big plot lines of the of the last season was that you know they they abandoned Gotham like they blew up the bridges America abandoned Gotham yeah it had off into like an escape from New York style you know destitute little locale where like all the villains had taken control and they're like well I guess we're gonna give it up and then again like uh what one up the episode before the finale they came this close to just bombing it which was you know a plot by Ra's al but it at least appeared at times that the government had decided to do this. So, yeah, it's a little it's a little nuts. So, for context sake, have you seen every episode of Gotham? No, no, no. I've probably seen I don't know sixty percent of Gotham. Yeah, maybe more, maybe seventy. That's that's a solid percentage. That is, I, I'm confessing that that is better than I did. I basically just watched the series finale uh, today. I've popped in and out. I've kept up with. I, I, they've always released like these really long trailers uh, for specific seasons that I like a lot because they give a lot. It basically feels like a nice like recap of what's come. And like as a comic book fan, I'm like, oh, that's great. That's cool. That's that's great. They're doing that. I should really watch this show. Um, and then I forget or don't have the time well it's it's a good place to start so gotham i mean what what when you first heard and we were working on like together which is and i feel like it's worth noting for the right sorry just not to cut you off but it, like this is like the first show i feel like i really had in terms of doing this job like the full experience of like seeing i saw i was there at its first tca panel i was there at its last tca panel i feel like i've kind of really cut what Oh, Liz, there's been so many shows that you've been around, like, for the full four or five years of whatever for well, no, but that I, you've I covered like, more, like, that you actually, like, dug in with. And, but, like, and, like what, what shows? Uh, I mean, what else ended this year? Like, Broad City? Um, well, I didn't cover that one. Uh, uh, but, like, I mean, it's weird. You watched but Broad City? Uh, I watched Broad City. I just don't feel like I had the consciousness of it in terms of, like, its premiere and its finale that I did. I, I'm not saying you're not wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong about whether or not there are shows that I have also covered for their full run. I guess Better Call Saul hasn't ended yet. Yeah, and like uh, Better Call Saul hasn't ended yet. The Affair hasn't ended yet. That's God. one I would give you. Yeah, soon, soon I will have soon. that. But yes, Gotham is Gotham is one where I find it. I, I just remember how little those kids were. Like they weren't like babies, but they were like they were not anywhere in the realm of teenagerdom. And then like seeing them on stage uh, at TCA this January, I'm just being like. Oh, that's right. Time passes. And when you're between the ages of 12 to 14, it passes really fast for you. Well, not fast enough. I do remember at the TCAs this year, 
them talking about how you know when we got to see Batman finally yeah. that little David Mazus or whatever however you pronounce his name yeah. uh, he he was he wasn't really big enough to fill out the suit if you know what I mean yeah. so they they may have used a body double uh, when they gave us that final shot of Batman yeah um, but. I mean, to be fair, that kid still grew up pretty tall, which is... No, like, he's, yeah. he's definitely much different than he was. It's just yeah. like he's not... He is not perhaps the not stature... a hulking human yes. being. He is not a giant man, um, which is fair. Uh, so... But no, it's like when, when we started on it, when we started on Gotham and we were yeah. reporting like, oh, this is a show that's about to happen and we're getting these trailers and we're trying to figure out what it is. Um, I mean, what was your first impression? Because, like, I remember a lot of the dialogue and conversations circled around, wait, 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 you're making a Batman show, but it doesn't have Batman? Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, my my recollection of these conversations we had um, was, like, I mean, it, you, were, you were really excited about it because of your deep, deep, deeply felt love for Ben McKenzie. Absolutely. Um, which, yeah, who cares if there's Batman if you've got Ben McKenzie? Yeah, no, I fully respect this. Um, I have I have loved shows for far less reason. Um, and, but in terms of, so I feel like I feel like I was patient with it. Like I didn't like have anything actively against its existence, if you will. Like I feel like I was like, okay, sure. I mean, at the same time, did I feel like a super need for it? Not really. If only because you know there's. No shortage of Batman media. I mean, literally within two months of this show going off the air, there will be a new show set in the world of Batman, also not really about Batman. Like, it's not like we're starving for Batman content. So I never, I think that's a factor why I never got excited, even though I did really like a lot of the elements involved. Well, I think that's, an, that's uh, again, like an important note to take and something we're going to take with us when we do start watching Pennyworth um, whenever the fuck i get around to that um july um, we'll see uh but when 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 gotham began it was it was as though it was coming at it from listen yeah we're in the batman world we're gonna surface some of these characters you're gonna see people and the origins of people that you've gotten to know at other points in their life mm-hmm. but at our core we are a, a cop procedural like we're gonna have a case of the week we're gonna have cops busting down doors and throwing people in jail um you know ben mckenzie is a is a is, is playing a james gordon who you know is coming into a, a a town in shambles and he's gonna try to repair it because he's the only straight cop in a crooked organization um and all of those kind of tropes were familiar enough where you're like yeah okay that can succeed on mm-hmm. a on a broadcast network but i think what i admired so much about gotham after that solid start like it was a fine start um was how it pivoted in in its second season and and subsequent seasons into something a little more serialized where it was able to kind of maintain that case of the week structure um from week to week while still creating a more serialized story and developing characters over these wider crazier arcs um like let's look at barbara keen so barbara keen started as james gordon's i think fiance i don't remember if they'd actually proposed but they were definitely dating at some point at the at the beginning of it and she was a very normal person she was kind of like the 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 grounded member of the family and trying to keep him from dying and then i again my my um time as well as missed episodes are going to show here but something horrible happened to Barbara Keene, and she became a villain. She became like a like an arch villain. She became like his number one nemesis, and she was a bad. She did some bad shit over the years, 
And now in the finale, she's, you know, we get a 10 year time jump, but we'd seen her have uh, James Gordon's baby at the in the previous episode, as mentioned. Good God. Um, but she was kind of back to a more traditional character. Like she was somebody who was at least playing within the scope or within the laws of society. She's like a real estate mogul who bought, bought up a bunch of Gotham properties and re- rehabbed them and sold them for a profit. And now she's, you know, a, a millionaire single mother. Um, with red hair, which is important for comic book fans. Um, <laughs> but that that kind of arc is insane. Like, she, start, she started and ended in basically the same place, which is necessary for Gotham to maintain, like, the Batman lore of it all. But in between, she did some of the most insane, crazy, how are you ever going to come back from this kind of uh, things that you'd ever imagine. And if Gotham didn't get a chance to kind of properly finished then maybe she would have ended in a different place or maybe it would have been harder to believe but there was something about that kind of elasticity that they were given in those middle seasons to really stretch people to some weird places right uh that made it work and they again they did that within kind of a changing storytelling structure that just kind of worked for them it wasn't it wasn't episodic necessarily but you could pop in and out of it okay um there were longer arcs that really paid off uh, there were characters who who became fan favorites, like um, uh, Corey Michael Smith's Edward Nigma was somebody who kind of started a little later than normal, but soon grew into somebody that everybody really, really loved. Right. Whereas Robin Lord Taylor kind of hit you right off the bat, and yeah. you were like, God, I love this. This guy's so good. I can't wait to see him do other stuff. Still can't. Um, but yeah, it was it was... It was exciting for how well it developed and how well it adapted to me and then what they got away with. Yeah, well, your, your description of Barbara's arc reminds, it makes me think of like when a, like when you, when you're out on the street and you see like a woman holding like a, like a three-year-old child and she's got like a crazy face tattoo and you're just like, that person had a, has had a life. That person has had stories. Yeah. Um, and you know, Barbara's, Barbara does not have a face tattoo, but she definitely has, like, seen, seems to have had, like, a journey. I think that's literally a line from the finale or maybe the episode before where they say this is going to make, like, one hell of a, a birth story or something. Like, Well, probably um, if it's around the shooting of the guns and whatnot. Yeah, it's, it's right. Like, it's yeah. after that. It's when everything's okay, you know, and they've, like, everybody's survived. I think James is meeting his kid for the first time or whatever, but... Um, but yeah, like um, it, it's true, and it, and I really appreciated what they did with that. I mean, they they even um, they even took oh god, I'm gonna forget her name. Um, this is good content. This is good content right here. I like that he's singing a little song though. That's helpful. Stuff on the internet. Looks really bad because I should remember this, but looks up on the internet. Uh, Leslie Tompkins, Jesus Christ. Um, you didn't doctor, remember that, Jesus doctor, Christ. I know, I'm so sorry. She's like, um, she, you mean Mrs. Ben McKenzie? I, I mean, yes, Marina. This is gonna be Baccarin. really awkward I, when you I, guys go to dinner together. I didn't forget Marina Baccarin's name, I just wanted to use the character's name because I was trying to talk about the character and I didn't want to say the person that Marina Baccarin plays because her character is. is the emphasis here because she actually did a lot too like she was one of those where she stepped in and you're like oh i think this is actually james gordon's primary love interest i right. think this is who he's supposed to end up with um but they they took her down a very dark path where she was she, she became was a, a villain. villain at one point yeah um they took her completely out of the picture for a while in which she just kind of um moved on from the show and you're like is she gonna come back i don't know i don't know how this is gonna work and then even in the final season it felt like they didn't have enough time 
to reconnect them and they found a way to reconnect them where it just works like it worked it worked within this kind of banana storytelling structure of the show and again i i just have i have some i have some of this i have just i have some respect for how far they were willing to go and it almost nags at me a bit that they had to bring it back but i'm also impressed that they were able to bring it back for the finale it's like they got to go so wackadoo crazy with some of this stuff that it's almost like i would have liked to see what their ending would have been if they didn't have to set up the story we already knew like if they didn't have to set up batman showing up and riddler and the penguin are free and roaming and joker's still like the bad guy and he's gonna fight batman and this whole story that you know is now here what would they have done if it would have just been up to them and they could have just come up with something like oh man this is gonna be crazy i mean i can see those writers like being like let's just blow it up like god what was it they literally tried to blow up the city at one point they did blow up the city like it's it's they've done a lot well it reminds me of uh i think it's noah hawley's pitch for the end of better call saul uh which uh peter gould told us ages ago which is that Noah Hawley's pitch for the end of Better Call Saul is he never actually becomes Saul Goodman. Right. Like, he just, it's just like, why, why bother? It's a separate timeline. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you say it's a prequel. Well, guess what? You just blow it up. Yeah. Um, Noah, yeah. this is Noah Hawley's perception of time. <laughs> this, this, is not a, this is not a surprising choice or one that would interest him, at least. So. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was glad to see Miranda Becker in, back for the finale. Like, I, I really like her as an yeah, actress. She's, she's in the whole, like, most yeah. of the final season. Um, yeah. And, again, like, their balancing of that with the idea that James Gordon has to have a kid with uh, another woman to set up that you know timeline as well it's like well it it again it all connects in a way where the story is insane but there's enough there to make you go along with it and not just because you know that it has to end up that way what's weird is that um batman the animated series uh leslie tompkins is a character in that but she's portrayed as she's a she's a doctor working in a she's a doctor working on like in like the bad side of town she has like a free clinic or something and the way she's depicted you know She's basically depicted as, like, an old lady. Like, she's, like, an old friend of the Wayne parents that takes care of Bruce. So she's not uh, – so it makes sense that they, you know, change that up a bit for this. For this. But, like – Well, they only had to change it a little bit because, yeah. remember, like, when she's introduced in this, Bruce is 12. Yeah. No, like, it, it's not, it's not 11, impossible. So. I mean, also, like, when you're watching the show as a 10-year-old, like, anyone looks old. Very true. Yeah, and and she, you know, they didn't they didn't do a lot of old age makeup for a ten year time jump in the finale, but she would have been approaching that by the time Batman becomes a, an established presence in the city. So, how do you feel about like when 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 a show or a film does a time jump? And I feel like there's two ways it goes. It either goes like like I feel like the hair and makeup teams either go like super extreme. This is not. There's some place, some that do it right down the middle. That's the way it should be. But it's either you go super extreme with like the hair and makeup changes, or they do pretty much nothing at all. So everyone looks the same. But in the back of your head, you're like, wait, it's ten years from now. It's ten years from now. It's ten years from now. Like, how do you feel about like that kind of scale? Um, I think it depends on what you're trying to convey with the time jump. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, Obviously, if you're playing around in different timelines simultaneously, like, you know, True Detective Season 3, then you need to be able to distinguish how old somebody is between the characters. Yeah. But if you're making a permanent jump forward, it's almost like, how long are we going to be here in the present? Like, if if you're making a time jump 
kind of like the Americans. They did, I think they did a seven-year time jump, Mm -hmm. and there was virtually no change (laughs) to anybody. And um, that's fine. Like, to me, that I I can totally buy into that um, because, A, the practicalities of of the shoot make it easier than applying old-age makeup Mm -hmm. for God knows how many more seasons of this that you're going to shoot. And, B, because, you know, unless you're literally talking about somebody who's moving from age 12 to 22 there's not a lot of changes there like the older you get the more similar it's going to be you might put on a few pounds you might um you know develop like lose some hair gain some hair like those kind of things but those kind of cosmetic shifts can be done pretty easily so yeah i mean it's funny like right now i realized what show i was thinking about in this context and it's outlander because by by the time you reach season four, essentially 22 years have passed for both the lead characters and the actors have aged approximately five years because that's how long that show's been on the air. And uh, yeah, and the thing with that, and the thing is they've, I think they've, they've found a decent mix of like, you know, we have to acknowledge that the characters have aged, but at the same time, like, there still are hot. There's there's still are smoking hot romantic leads. So, right. like you know, you have to think of the priorities of the show. Here. Yes, like the priorities of Outlander are a. We are a time travel show. Yes, let's not get too serious about the time travel, and b. We want to watch hot people get naked. So yeah, um, I mean like in 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 season four they also introduced new hot pe- new young hot people to get naked. Um, so to keep kind of keep the tradition going but i don't know what i don't know what season five will look like i imagine maybe more of the same but you know maybe they'll switch it up maybe they'll add new more young new hot naked people listen i mean uh, when it comes to the to the dude at least just do the leftover strategy make the time jump give him a beard as long as he can pull off a beard as well as justin Theroux, which let's be clear not everyone can then you're going to be safe i just admire the fact that you're willing to concede that some people can pull off a, a beard as, as well as Justin throw. Like, you're not saying he's the only one who can pull off that beard. Sure. Okay. I also, I, I made this point in the review, or I'm making it as, as I'm writing it right now, but right. Um, the one thing that bugged me about the series finale of Gotham was when they showed James Gordon with his mustache at the start of it. Love the mustache. And I love the mustache, too. And then they mustache. they they changed it later and they shaved like he shaves it off right and, and his wife comes home dr Tompkin comes home and he's like you liked it right like i i realized i i made a mistake and i had to correct the mistake but you liked it at least and she's like sure and you're like no 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 no, you're pulling it off that mustache looked good you're fine like you don't have to apologize for that mustache james you looked good but i mean i wonder how long he had the mustache i don't think he ever did what? You mean in the show? Yeah. Like in the context? Yeah. Like how long did he have it grown? Yeah. It's hard for me to imagine him having it longer than like six months to a year. Really? You yeah. think he was just like, it's like that. I feel like I feel like guys with their facial hair, like when they, when they get really, when they're guys who get really into their facial hair, like they start off young and they're like, oh, I got to grow a beard so I look older. And then like when they get older, they're like, oh, shoot, I got to get rid of my beard so I look younger again. Sure. No. And that that makes perfect sense. But in the context of the show, he was so quick to get rid of it. Right. When when lightly pressed about it by Bullock that I can't imagine he was committed to it that long. Otherwise, he would have withstood the the taunts 
and just stood by it. I love I love this concept in your head of, J- of Jim Gordon as a man who, if he if he's been with his facial hair for more than a year, he will fight for it. Right. If he's that steadfast beyond it, then, right. then it's not going to go anywhere. This okay. is a guy who set his mind to cleaning up the city, no matter what. And I mean, holy shit, he he put up with a lot. He he had a really rough road to hoe. Yeah. Um, before we stop talking about Gotham, uh, I do want to mention my favorite thing about the show, which I think I've mentioned on this podcast before, which is um, every time I watch it, I'm blown away by how good all of the below the line stuff is in terms of set design, production design, um, like cinematography, you know, costumes. Like I just really admire the fact that, you know, as mentioned, no shortage of Batman stuff out there in the world. And, uh, <clears throat> the uh, the fact that they've really managed they've really managed to find their own palette and they've really managed to find like their own take on on this universe that is a mix of a mix of things like I can't point to like like I can point to a lot of things that clearly inspire it but I can't point to like one thing that they're particularly ripping off or anything like and I, I that's always exciting to see yeah I remember talking to the production designer back in season one and him talking about the different kind of um, inspirations that he combined to bring about this new version of the city and kind of the different rules that they'd have in terms of what they'd show and what they wanted and what kind of ideas they want to incorporate. But you're, you're 100%, 100% right. Um, even in the finale, there's these great little touches that, you know, they, they don't, they didn't have to do that, but you can tell they just love the show so much and love what they're doing so much that they want to build that in around it. I remember when, when Edward Digma is getting sprung from uh, prison and he like gets a bag put over his head and, and rushed out of there. And when he's, you know, unveiled and he's, he's in this like kind of sewer system or something and there's a trunk sitting in front of him um, throughout this whole talk, there's lights flickering above his head mm-hmm. and the lights are green and yellow. And they're just kind of this little reminder that, uh, that he's the Riddler and that he's emerging as the Riddler again. Like he's been dormant for so long, trapped in these, um, you know, these gross confines of the prison where mm-hmm. he's not been allowed to flourish. And now he's starting to find himself again. Um, and there's so many of those little touches that are just so beautifully done. And thankfully it's been recognized. Like it's, it's been nominated for a, a handful of Emmys at one um, in 2018 for uh, the visual effects, but you know, stunt coordination, sound editing, cinematography, um, costumes, visual effects, production design, all of that was recognized by the TV Academy over the years. Um, and that's really great. Like it's, it, <laughs> it's, it's something where um, because it's because of the genre, uh, I think you know certain people would be eager to dismiss it or not give it a chance. Um, not eager, but would allow themselves to dismiss it. Uh, and because it's a broadcast show, you know, other people might feel the same way, but, you know, people found this and really took notice of um, the, the, the intellect behind the design. And, uh, yeah, it, it really boosted the show. Like, it's something that, um, in conversations with the, with the EPs, but the cast as well, have taken note time and time again of how well... Uh, the environment around them has been brought to life. So, yeah, well, I mean, 
I feel like, you know, we, we Gotham is not dead in our hearts. Gotham lives on forever. But I feel like this has been a nice tribute to the show. I feel like we've, you know, there's, been, there's of course, like tons of stuff I'm sure we could bring up. But, you know, I think, I, think, I think this podcast, if this podcast is nothing else, it is a home to appreciate the weird and the beautiful and the underappreciated of television. And Gotham definitely feels like a good, a good representation of that. Yeah, Gotham. Gotham is something where um, I think the people who watched it were really rewarded for their commitment to it, um, and I think really surprised by a lot of the twists and turns it made. And uh, I know I, for one, every time I, I, you know, got lucky enough to find the time and 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 catch back up with it, whether it was because I was talking to somebody or you know because it was the end of the season or getting close to it or whatever. Um, it always surprised me, and uh, I really enjoyed spending these last five years with Gotham living in the background a little bit, but uh, it deserves its time in the spotlight, so I'm happy we got to give it at least a little one as a going-away gift. Yeah. I just realized, by the way, because um, I was talking with a friend about the young blank who fucks uh, meme, and, uh, like, you know, young Einstein who fucks, young Shakespeare who fucks, young Archie who fucks, or hot Archie who fucks. I guess it's hot blank who fucks. And this is hot Gordon who fucks. Um, I mean, Gordon was always that, and Gordon always fucked. <laughs> yeah, but this is young, hot Gordon. This is just young Gordon. Yes, and soon we'll have uh, hot Alfred who fucks. I mean, they're like Gordon and I think the Burton and Schumacher Batmans was not hot. No. But Gordon in the animated series, hot. He yeah, could yeah. get it. Well, Silver, silver with Fox. The, yeah, with the mustache yeah, and the tough yeah, hair Jim, and the, Jim the tall stature and the sharp angles, like that chin. Yeah, plus, you know, okay. he's got a kid. He's married. He's, they're happy. No, they're happy no, I, people. So. They, but what about Gary Oldman? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't Oldman, sure. You know, sometimes Gary Oldman know, can go he, one way or the other. When he cleans himself up and is playing a hero type, then by all means, Gary Oldman in real life has some problems. But as Gordon, great. Yeah. Definitely can get it in The Dark Knight. Not sure if he can get it in The Dark Knight Rises. I don't know why. That's just a, an insane statement to make. But. <laughs> why is that an insane statement? I don't know where to begin. We don't have time for this, Liz. Just, I, I appreciate you. Um, I'm trying, just trying to be thorough here. Like, bringing out the idea that, that Ben McKenzie remains an attractive leading man and he deserves other jobs. I'm sure he will get them, though. Yeah. Um, he's, he's put himself in a good position and clearly has made himself of value to plenty of people. Exactly. So, Ben, beyond Gotham, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was Veep and... Better things again. I'm gonna stick with that every single time. Sure. Um, Veep, especially this week. By the way, if you haven't caught up yet, holy shit, it, it makes a choice in episode five um, that kind of had me reeling for a little bit. I got to figure out a way to talk about it before it comes out. But um, for now, I'm just gonna say, wow. Um, but I'll also give a quick shout out to uh, Tim Robinson's new Netflix sketch series. Um, I think you should leave. I always want to call it, I think you should leave now, but it's just, I think you should leave. Um, and Tim Robinson is uh, the former Saturday Night Live writer, as well as the former co-star and co-creator of Detroiters with Sam Richardson. Um, his new sketch series is very smart about how to convey his sense of humor, because he's somebody who can be very weird, which can be off-putting sometimes, but uh, usually is, is quite charming. Uh, but he can also be very loud. He's somebody who yells a lot or finds characters who have reason to yell a lot. Um, and he's he's kind of conduced, con, con, 
serve this into like little 15 to 17 minute episodes, but he's also smart about balancing those episodes with, uh, you know, variant sketches that kind of, uh, can go darker and be a little crazier and then a little lighter and a little fluffier and then quicker and then longer. Like he kind of understands how to best distribute his sense of humor to the world, if you will. Um, so I'm very happy that it's on Netflix and people should be able to, to find it. Uh, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, Ben, I'm going to say that tech, the best television I watched last week was Avengers Endgame. Jesus. And look forward to many hundreds of words explaining to IndieWire readers what well, they should already be online as of this. I'm saying, I'm. this is my stand. They, took, they tried to take Twin Peaks from TV. I'm taking Avengers Endgame from film. That's my stand. Uh, TV doesn't want it, but uh, thank you. I t- uh, TV does want it. Um, uh, uh, I'm speaking on behalf of TV in this stage. I don't think you have that right. Liz, do we want something that's killing theaters? No, we should put it back on the TV where it belongs. It's a, it's basically a six-part it's a six-part final season. They made a mini-series? <laughs> they made a mini-series. No, it's, it's a very episodic structure. Um, and it actually manages, unlike other TV shows in their final... Episodic structure. What? Mm-hmm. Un- unlike so other... Don't pique my curiosity over Avengers. I don't want to go see it yet. Um, no, but hold... Let me finish. <sighs> but that's going to make me interesting. No, I'm just saying, unlike other final seasons of television that might be currently airing right now, it manages to do a thing where it's not just two hours of setup and then followed by a big massive battle sequence like actual things happen in the first third of the of the movie ben it's really interesting (laughs) i don't like you right now like why did you do this to me (laughs) because you now you want to see avengers endgame i don't want to see it but now i'm curious to understand your argument and i think the only way to do so is to see it yes well also ben you know you why why the the other reason you have to see it yeah i do you you really need to see it like she doesn't like show her face no no it's carrie coon's it, it it i'm not saying whether or not carrie coon's in it it's not that reason I, it's because of the leftovers, of course. Do they rip it off again? Well, I mean, it's still ripping it off. It's the same ripoff. It's the same story. It's just no. continuing the story. No, they just they just lazily ripped it off in the, in the first one. But no, like, they just but they keep following through on it. Uh, that doesn't really make me. That's not your argument about it being television is much more interesting than the other part. Okay, I'm just saying there's a support group. Is there a gr? You can make the argument that certain people are the GR. Is Anne Dowd in it? No. Hmm. She is pretty much the only actor who is not in it. So Justin Theroux's in it? He could be. I will look into it and I will let you know if there are any actual leftovers uh, crossovers. I really, I really. Okay. Why did you do this to me? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is mean. (laughs) It's not the meanest thing I've ever done to you. I mean, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of examples, so maybe it is. <laughs> maybe this is me. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm sorry. It's not like I could even go if I wanted to, Liz. I know. But no, you'll be okay. 
here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. You're just going to get accidentally spoiled probably by Twitter or something for one of the two of the things. And then you can say to yourself, oh, well, that sounds stupid. I'm glad I didn't see it. And then like in two weeks, you'll catch like a af- Saturday afternoon screening and you'll be like, well, yeah, this was stupid. This was wrong. And then you can come back to the office and you can pull some sort of elaborate prank on me. I don't think you're going to be wrong, Elizabeth. That's the problem. I, <laughs> I don't want you to represent television because then it's going to make it official and I'm going to have to see it, and then I'm going to have to be like, oh, it is like TV. They've been ripping us off for years, and I'm not going to enjoy that at all. Well, I like the part where you think I might be right. I mean, I don't I don't have good reason to question your uh, stature in this regard. This is your expertise among X-Files and, and many other things. But when it comes to superhero storytelling, this is right up your alley. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but yes. Well, I apologize for getting you interested in Avengers Endgame. Also, I've been watching a lot of uh, Star You're Trek Deep Space. dead to me. You could have just said that. I, uh, that I apologize for... No, that you're watching Star Trek. <laughs> Deep Space Nine holds up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't doubt it. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I don't doubt it from, like, the last time you brought it up. <laughs> I, yeah, I like to make sure that I'm constantly aware of how good Star Trek Deep Space Nine was. Mm-hmm. And that every, other people are as well. It's similar to how you need to make sure that everyone keeps up with Veep. Yeah. This, these are important things we're called to do. Well, I mean, Veep's got skin in the game here. Like, there's ratings and Emmys to win, so like... There's a legacy with Star Trek. There are people out there who don't think it's the best Star Trek, and those people need to be found. They're, yeah, they're, that's fair. Um. Anyways, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? I don't know. <laughs> Probably Avengers now. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, what did I write down? Oh, Chernobyl. I'm looking forward to Chernobyl. In the, An actual as much as any, as official much as... limited series coming to television. God damn it. <laughs> it's probably shorter, too. Um, <laughs> actually, I, 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 it could actually be. Who knows? Nah, I think it's like five parts. Oh, is it five? I think it's five. Oh, I'll check. But know. while you talk about while you talk about Chernobyl, as Chernobyl much... is the true story of the Chernobyl nuclear meltdown, um, starring none other than Steve Green's favorite actor, Jared Harris of the Terror fame, he's and lovely. before that, Mad Men. Uh, he's lovely. Um, this will be a, uh, a limited series airing on HBO starting, I believe, May fifth. Yeah, something um, like that. Definitely that kind of first chunk of may uh it's also premiering at the tribeca film festival which is why i'm watching screeners soon um but yeah i uh i've heard good things i'm i'm looking forward to it it is five yep great it's (laughs) great it's only i mean well technically original point still holds up because if it's a six part like six half hour episodes for Avengers. This is a five part. They're just hour long. So it's not longer. Chernobyl is longer, but Avengers is more parts. Basically the thing I have to do with Avengers is I have to basically break down the full plot and then like track like where... Hate you. (laughs) Hate you for doing this to me. You're intrigued. It's an interesting movie. I don't think it is. There's a talking raccoon in it. And you've made it so. I agree with the, the... tweets 
Was it Ehrlich? Somebody always, said. It's Ehrlich. It's, yeah, it's always Ehrlich. Oh, no, it's, well, it's, uh, no, Whoever I think said David Sims, a, I think. Is he the one who said there should be a real raccoon? Like, it would be infinitely improved if oh, it was no. a real raccoon? It was, Ehrlich said there should be a real raccoon, and yeah. then David Sims was like, but, excuse me. I mean, I think Ehrlich is going to have to officially become he who should not be named on this podcast after recent events have, have uh, transpired. The, yes. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's still right about the raccoon. <laughs> Raccoons are good. <laughs> They're not. But wait, on screen, you have an anti-raccoon policy. Raccoons are—they they terrorize your cats and your trash and and your your homes if you're a country dweller. So yeah, raccoons uh, okay. are bad. This is a country dweller thing. It should be everyone. No one wants a raccoon in their yard if you have a cat. So mm. I mean, I, I have I have indoor cats, so it's not an issue. But oh. I understand for outdoor cats. I understand for outdoor cats. Yeah, it's a different thing. Yeah, so... Liz, what are you looking forward to? Um, I'm looking forward to catching up on The Twilight Zone. Uh, I feel like it's been getting... You know, I, I think the the show's kind of, like, had a lot of expectations going into it. Did not meet those expectations for a lot of people. I do agree that the runtime is a problem. Um, and the last episode I watched was the Sinal Latham one. And that episode stressed me the hell out. Yeah, it's their best one. Yeah, um, but I am looking, but they've, they've uh, released screeners for a few more. I've heard that the John Show Jacob Tremblay episode is not great, but I'm still excited to check it out, actually, just because I like that cast so much. Yeah, they've assembled quite a cast yeah. to get us to keep watching no matter what, even though I, again, I enjoyed the first, I watched four for the review, right. and the first one is, is pretty bad. Um, the second and the third are very good, and the fourth is just kind of, ambitious and, and interesting so um so i i've been i've been one of the rare holdouts who liked it but i i definitely recognize the uh, dominant backlash so far yeah i think like from what i've heard like the back half of the season is actually like i i know someone who's seen some more and the comment i got was that her, her favorite episodes haven't aired yet so who knows who knows? Who knows? But you'll read all about it and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to other IndieWire podcasts, like the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with the perfect, the great, the wonderful Chris Fault, who would never do what Liz did to me. Um, and also listen <laughs> Tell to Tell you about a movie that you might with... enjoy watching. God. No, you told me about a movie you knew I didn't want to watch and then <laughs> made me watch it. I didn't know you didn't want to watch it. You know. You, how many times have we talked about Marvel and you did it on a DC podcast? How <laughs> dare you? Had to Similar, bring balance to the force. That's a different reference. <laughs> and also, again, tied into Marvel thanks to our Disney overlords. <laughs> All right, keep um, talking about Chris Fault and how much you love him. Yeah, Chris Fault's perfect. Perfect human being. Um, less perfect, but still wonderful human beings are Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, who host the Screen Talk podcast. Um, I think they'd probably do what you did and, and get me curious about Avengers, so... I do feel I, actually I legitimately feel bad now because I know because like part of the reason we're recording this today is we both have we're out of town this weekend like I only got I have only gotten to see it because I managed to get to that press screening last night I do feel bad about this good I do you're fine I but still you know you're fine I'm gonna see it like it's one of those things it's like it's like by law Game of Thrones yeah as we've discussed before but it's just one of those things that's so popular that you just want to be part of the conversation so you're gonna see it. If it, it's fine. I, I tell you what, 
I will give serious thought to giving you advice on if you need a bathroom break. Oh yeah, when do I go to the bathroom? I, I will. I will give you. I will do when I'm doing my careful breakdown analysis plot wise. We're basically creating episode breaks for the sh- for the film. Well, can you give it to me on a on a time basis, or does it? Or is it only going to be marked I'd, I'd by have to see the, I'd have to see the movie again with a stopwatch, but I could do that. Mm, yeah, that's a lot to ask. It's okay. But no, I'll, but I, I, I think you're you're good at but, describing but, those things. Yes, I will. I will. I think I can give you a plot point or two where you you'd, you'd at least like. On your level of engagement, like you'd be okay with missing. I think it was Eric Cohn of Screen Talk fame who mm-hmm. said on Twitter, um, "Okay, around the hour mark, but not after." Does that sound reasonable? It does. I think basically what I'm thinking is there's like one or two scenes where there there are like a, one or two scenes where like you might there might be. A diminishing level of return but not to like the grand extent that mm-hmm. like the whole re- like the, basically like the last hour of the movie i would say you probably can't sure see. sure sure, sure. But, and, and that's really going to be the tester because i'm usually very good about being responsible with with these kind of things going into the movie right. but my favorite thing about like action movies or, or kind of silly or grander spectacle based movies is getting a big old bucket of popcorn and a drink and mm-hmm. just going to town like right yeah so it could get me in trouble. But you had a good time at a uh, the the thing I the last time I saw a movie that was over three hours in the theater was Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Oh god, what a film! It was great, and I feel like it did. I mean, I feel like I feel like if, if, if whenever you go into a movie that's over three hours and you just really mentally prepare yourself, like I think it's manageable. I don't think I got popcorn for that. Oh, okay. I think I might have just been like, this is going to be moody and quiet, and I'm just going to sit there and enjoy it and. I did, but I don't remember. Maybe I did. I don't know. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. But anyways, you can find out whether or not it actually is fine on Ben's Twitter feed. Oh, I'm going to tweet the shit out of that movie. Like, no, I'm not. Uh, (laughs) Better yet, make sure to follow Liz uh, on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and then an E. Thank you for listening to to this week's podcast. Uh, We will be back next week. And as always, you guys, keep watching television. Thank you.